Amen. Take out your Bible. Amen. Amen. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Oh my goodness. It's a good word. I know it's a good word today because I got a little preview. I've been, I've been in the secret place of the Most High and I've been listening and doing my best. So God, I wanna, don't want to just get up and say a bunch of words. I want to speak the oracles of God. So prepare your heart to receive today Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, pick it up in 17. We're in the, the armor of God, warring and winning, overcoming evil in the last days. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now hold your Bible there with me. Let's agree. Holy Spirit, I ask you to breathe on us right now. Breathe on the preacher. We ask for the activation of the anointing that comes from heaven. I pray, God, that line upon line, precept upon precept, the, the kingdom would be established inside of us. I pray that as I stand here and teach and preach, that the unfolding of your word will occur inside of us. I pray that every man and woman, every boy and girl sitting here would offer you a good and noble heart that has good soil inside, that as the seed of this word goes in, it'll bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold that, Lord, that our tree would bear much fruit and that fruit would be to the glory of our God. And you said, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, Father, I pray for ears to ear, hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive what the Spirit is saying to the church today. In the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said amen and amen. So he says, and we touched on a uh, week before last. By the way, those of you who weren't here last week, I taught on the sword of the Spirit, but this one deserved... Actually, we could spend a whole lot of time on the whole armor of God, but this one specifically deserved two parts, um, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I talked about what that, that meant, what, that, what it means, that sword of the Spirit. So this is the part two of that. But he says there that I pick it up in the verse, put, put it up there, Ephesians six seventeen. It says, and take... If you'll notice when you start at the beginning in, in verse 10 of Ephesians, he, he, he says finally there. By the way, he says finally three times uh, there. So I'm not the only preacher that says finally and preaches for another 30 minutes. You know, I'm in good company with the Apostle Paul. Um, he says, fine, and then he begins to go through this arm. Remember, remember how he's setting up the pattern of the book of Ephesians. Again, the book of Ephesians was not written as an epistle to a church that wrote Paul with questions. Paul is obviously receiving revelation from the Holy Spirit, and this one he writes, and this was distributed among the churches. And the Holy Spirit's giving him a revelational download of saying that you need to uh, know that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And being seated with him, you have all the spiritual blessings that are yours in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Then he says, because of that, you need to walk worthy of the calling you receive. Walk in love. Walk in the light. Walk in wisdom. So we're to walk as we're seated. But then he brings us to this place to where he says, 
after having done everything to stand. Finally, brethren, after having done everything to stand. So he's saying, in your walking, you're going to have to learn how to stand. All right? So there's, he's trying to show us something. And, and I need to say this too. I have to repeat this probably several times to make sure we all get it. In going through this message, uh, yes, we're focusing on the devil. We're focusing on spiritual warfare, demons, evil. I don't necessarily, as a pastor, as a messenger called by God to speak his word, I don't really want to have to spend a lot of time in this. Only this, y'all, if I do not teach you this, I'm not being a good exegeter or a good expositor, a, 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 a presenter of his word because it's there, isn't it? It's all over his word. So in that case, my purpose in this series is I don't want you and I to start becoming devil conscious. I don't want us to become, you know, there's a demon behind every door. Boo. You know, not that. What I want you to understand is we need to be Jesus focused. We need to be focused on we're seated in heavenly places and walking and knowing who we are, our identity. And then when we are confronted with evil, when the enemy attacks us, we're like, hold it. The word of God told us this. The pastor, God had the pastor teach us on this. We're not to be surprised concerning these fiery trials. We're not to be surprised when the enemy comes after us because that's what the word says. And God says, guess what? I've got a preemptive strike for your enemy. I've got a way to prepare you that when that happens, because the word says, when the enemy comes in like a flood. All right? So, it's like I said last week. You notice some days, some days um, the the, the warfare is very intense over your house. Sometimes the warfare is very intense over a church. We should not step back and go, oh, I can't believe what's going on. No, the word of God said we're going to be, and Paul put it this way. He said, I have fought the good fight of faith. (laughs) It's a good fight. Somebody say it's a good fight. fight. There are some fights we don't belong getting in in that dog fight. But there are some fights that Paul says that's the good fight. And that's when he said, I have fought it. And so you and I have got to make up my mind. Okay, there's warfare. There's going to be battles. But I've got to know what he says about me, what he says about my adversary, and what are the things, what's in my arsenal, what's in the, the weapons depot that when I go, and I'm not military guy, we've got military folks here, that when you go, right, you, uh, they're issued. Is that the word? You're issued your, your weapons, and then what? You're told what it is? <laughs> you know, you remember, you, you all know who Vince Lombardi is? the original coach of the Green Bay Packers. When he, when he came to the Packers, they were in a lose, several losing seasons. It was just a hopeless situation. And his first speech to the football team, y'all, y'all have heard this before, his first speech to the team, this was Vince Lombardi, walked in with all the, his players sitting there. He picked up a football and said, Men, this is a football. And he said, This is where we're going to start. And for us as warriors to understand our victory, to understand the warfare we're in, I guess I want to say, men and women, this is a sword. And it has been issued to you. It's not something you can get in and of yourself. It has to be given to you in battle. So you've got to be aware, what is he handing me when I'm in battle? So sometimes the warfare is intense. Sometimes it's not. Because it's like it says in the, in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. It says, and the devil left him until an opportune time. 
So the devil will send his minions to you and you'll find out, man, I'm just under a lot of warfare right now. But then you persist, you use the weapons that you fight with and you overcome him and you notice the devil goes away. It's like, thank you, Lord. How many of you glad for a little time of rest, a little time of peace? We're getting there, we're getting there. But don't be discouraged. Remember what he said to Joshua. Joshua, commander in chief, bring us to attention. And Joshua must have been discouraged because what did he say? He said four times in, in eight verses, says, do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you. Therefore, don't be discouraged. Don't be um, dismayed for the Lord your God is with you. If he has to say it to a, 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 a general who's the commander-in-chief out on the battlefield, what do you think's going on inside the, the, the commander? Apparently, he's got stuff going on, and the God's saying to him, he said, don't be discouraged. Church of the Shoals, listen to the message of God. Don't be discouraged. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, and every place on which the sole of your foot shall tread, the Lord's given it to you. So don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed, because as he was with Moses, so he's with us. So it's really important to understand that there is a warfare and it is a reality and you can deny it, but that's like the, you know, the 600 pound gorilla sitting in the room. You're sitting there staring at it and nobody's talking about it. It's like, does anybody, talk, does anybody understand spiritual warfare? Because I'm going through some stuff and you can talk around it, but it's like that, that, old, that old big elephant's just sitting there just staring you down. It's like, so we're going to address him. We're going to say, yeah, okay. Warfare is real. The word says that we're to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, notice the, the terminology Paul is using there. First, he says the weapon that he hands us, all right, remember now, all, every morning with our daughters, before we, we, we send them off to school, we put on, we've, we've got it down now. We, I mean, we can put it on. We can put our armor on. I haven't timed it yet, but it's... It's, it's less than a minute for sure, maybe less than 30 seconds. But we put it on. And understand, what about putting it on? What does it mean? It means every piece of that armor that you put on has a purpose to it. Right. Hear me, warrior. There is not one piece of the armor of God, and there are seven. There's not one piece of that armor of God that's indispensable to you. And apparently you say, yeah, but I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm blood washed. I'm going to heaven. Yeah, but apparently you can be a Christian and not and be fighting naked. Apparently you can be a Christian going to heaven and the enemy find a crack in your armor because you have not understood. You've got to put it on and you've got to know what it means. All right. So he brings us to this place and he says, now you need to take up the sword of the spirit, which means you see the word there, take up same thing with the helmet of salvation. It apparently means that you can be Holy Ghost filled, tongue talking, saved, healed, delivered, glory to God, all that stuff, but you can lay your sword down. You can actually not be equipped for battle because you don't understand the Holy Spirit. When you get into in warfare, you've got to learn how to speak to the enemy. Hey, let me give you a little late breaking bulletin. You better not be saying about yourself and about your circumstances what your enemy's saying. Because when you say it, you extend its life. You give life to a curse and the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. It says, your adversary, the devil, walketh about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, which the word says you need to resist him standing firm in the faith. All right. So what are you going to say when the warfare comes? Well, 
The Holy Spirit who is in you, amen? Say, he's in me. You, he is. You, friend, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is inside of you. And when the enemy comes toward you like a flood, when, 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 when he begins to launch an attack, a, a, a beachhead of assault, he's, and by the way, the primary place of attack, where is it? It's your mind. Because Paul told the church in 2 Corinthians 11, says, I'm afraid as the serpent deceived Eve, so your minds would be led astray from the simplicity of devotion that's in Christ. All right? So where is the enemy trying to hold you captive? In your mind. Where are the fiery darts when he launches them, those fiery arrows, where are they coming? They're coming into your mind. So if he can get your mind, look, look, we know, understand, Lucifer knows the Bible. Satan, didn't he quote Psalm 91 to Jesus in the wilderness? Did, did, he said, it is written, does it not, not say he will, he will take you up lest you dash? He knows it. Here's what your enemy knows. He knows as a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart. So if he can get you thinking about you and your circumstances the way he does, he know, he's got you. He has captivated you in your own mind. You're a prisoner in your own mind. Isn't that sad? How many, how many Christians are sitting in church today? They love the Lord. If they died, they would go to heaven. But in their mind, they do not realize they're being held captive by thoughts that have been put there by the enemy. So you've got to have a sword, and notice what it connects. It says, which is the word of God? All right, last week we said the word that the Holy Spirit used is, is, uh, is a specific word because it's not just any sword. When you study out the, the arsenal of a Roman soldier, there were five different kinds of, of swords. This one was about 19 inches long. It's called a, 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 a makara. Makara. It's a weapon with sharp blades on both sides, approximately um, 19 inches long. Okay, so review, review. It's not the Gladys or, or like the Excalibur, some of the things you've heard. Not, not a long sword that you would see somebody in a battle that, the, you know, like in Star Wars, you know, you got the, what are they called? The, thank you. Those are the, I knew I would have some good Star Wars folk up in here. Um, but it's not like one of those long things where you stand and you swing it. Notice that the Holy Spirit specifically calls this sword, it's a 19-inch sword, which means what? This, this one, when you're in warfare, is not meant to swing, although it can be used for that. It's meant when you're enemy, because what is the terminology the Word of God uses here? We wrestle not against. What does it mean? The enemy has drawn in. In your sitting, standing, excuse me, in your sitting, walking, standing, the enemy has moved in close. Why is it 19 inches? Because God has equipped you when your enemy comes after you. He has given you a weapon that once it's inserted into the heart of your enemy, it is fatal. If he doesn't die and drop in front of you, he will. And it's a lethal weapon. Do you know what you have, Christian, in your supply? It's called a sword of the spirit, which is, he connects it to the word of God. And it's sharp. It's a sharp two-edged sword. Now, I'm going to talk about that for a moment because it actually works a couple of different ways. In this case, the context of the Makara is that of in warfare against your enemy. Did you know that also the word of God is also a sword that's meant to work inside of you? 
is something that's to use to give you the victory over yourself. Now, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But that is the Makar. And so it's not just any sword. And it says, which is the word of God? And it's not just any word because the word uh, for word of God is the word rhema. All right, the Logos, if you, those of you who know Greek, the Logos is the written word. It's the word that you have here. It's active, it's alive. This is, this is a living book, y'all. This is not like War and Peace or your history book or your science book. There's no other book like this book. Can I get an amen? This is, this is when you get this book inside of you, it can heal your body. It can, it can get demons out of your life. It can heal your marriage. It can heal your children. It can bring blessing and prosperity. This book is a living book. All right, that's, that's just the Logos because God spoke it. It's all scripture is God breathed. It's God inspired. When God breathed into the, 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 the Holy Spirit, into the writers, they put it down on page and now we read it. It is a living book. But this word, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is a given word that comes from the word. Are you got that? A rhema is a specific, clearly given word spoken by the Holy Spirit, making it undeniable, unquestionable, and definite. In other words, friend, when God gives you a word, he says, so is my word that goeth forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I spoke it into the earth to do. That's why when you're in battle and the Holy Spirit, if you can think of it this way, okay, you're standing there, enemies moved in. He's, he's, he's in your face. It's, it's, it's wrestling. It's hand-to-hand combat. All right? And you're standing there, okay, Lord, I'm wrestling against the enemy. What do you want me to do? And the Holy Spirit in you, now look at me. Here's what he'll do. He'll see what kind of attack you're under and the Holy Spirit will go here and hand you a Makara and say, here, take it. Take the sword of the Spirit. Now, if you're not aware when you're in warfare, wait a minute, God is trying to help me. When the enemy comes in like a flood, huh? the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. So I'm standing there in spiritual warfare and thinking, how am I going to beat back this temptation? How am I, how am I going to overcome this, this accusation? How am I going to get past this, this imagination that, that I know is not God? Oh, God, help me. And the Holy Spirit goes, Here. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness. Lucifer, the fallen angel, the serpent, Satan is in his name, Diablos, says, if you're hungry, actually he says, the Greek is kind of interesting. Some translation says, if you're the son of God. Some translation says, since you're the son of God. Think about that. And so the enemy says, since you're the son of God, I've seen that you've been in fasting and prayer for 40 days. Turn these stones in the bread. Well, where's the verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt not turn stones into bread? What was he trying? He was trying to disrupt his progress and get him distracted and focused on something else. And that is his own appetites. When he was, Jesus was fasting because he was getting his, the razor edge on his Sword, the razor edge on his life, so there would be a cutting, effective life on a, this vessel. And, and, and what did Jesus say? It is written. What happened? Look at the picture now. He says, Turn these stones in the bread. The Holy Spirit, because Jesus did nothing in and of himself as God the Son. Do you realize that? None of the warfare that he conducted on earth was done because he was God's one and only Son. Everything Jesus did on earth in spiritual warfare, he did. Now listen, 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, get the church back to that simplicity. It's not by might. Come on somebody. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And they're in that battle. The Holy Spirit hands Jesus' sword. It's quickened. It's activated inside. Jesus turns at the serpent and says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. The 19-inch sword went into the heart of the enemy and it backed him off. He he had no comeback except he says, Now I'm going to come to a different area. If I can't get you in your appetites, I'm going to try to get you in your lust. So he says... uh, He says, now this is Luke's version. He says, go up to the top of the pinnacle of the temple. You ever ever studied that? Don't you think it's interesting that Lucifer is telling him, go up to the top of the temple? Why did he tell him? Because what he's saying, he says, crawl up and do your own thing and get on top of God's thing. In other words, worship yourself. Let there be self. What is that you desire? Put God aside. Put the Holy Spirit. Go after what it is you want. And Jesus, knowing what he's up to, stands there and the Holy Spirit hands him a makara and says, and it's a rhema. He says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, even after the enemy quotes the Bible. And again, it backs the enemy off. In the, in the last part of that, he says, and he, he took him to a, an exceedingly high place. I've been to that place in, in um, Israel um, where they believe that it, it literally happened. Now think about this. Satan showed Jesus all the glories of the kingdom of this world and their power. How did he do that? Hey, how did he do and, and, and it? Said, and it said, in a moment. What happened? The fallen serpent apparently has the power to give visions and images. And Jesus is standing and, 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 and Satan says, see all this? See this vision I'm giving you? You can be wealthy. You can be famous. Your name can be a household name. You can have what you want. And notice what the serpent says to Jesus. He just, he just said, now all this you can have if you'll just bow down and worship me. That's not what he said. Well, that's what he said, but think about it this way. He said, all this, you'll, if you'll bow down and worship me, but now notice really what he's saying. He's, let's go back. All this you can have if you'll just bow down and worship me. So in other words, he's saying, Jesus, just bow down to what you want. Give yourself to your desire, whatever your appetite. Don't withhold. You're entitled. You you need this. You want this. You desire this. Go ahead and bow down at your desire. And in doing so, you bow down to me. And Jesus says, no, you get behind me. Get out of my way. Because he says, thou shalt, it is written. Again, he hands him a rhema. It is written. Man, excuse me. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And what happened? And then it says, and the devil left him. What happened? That, that Makara went into the heart of the devil and he says, I can't defeat him because he's got a two-edged sword in his mouth. Whew. Go, go, over, go over to Revelation 6. I'm gonna give you a little picture of something of Jesus. Revela- excuse me, Revelation 1. Revelation 1, 16. This is John describing 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the mighty conquering king, the king of glory, the Lord mighty in battle. He's beginning his, his letter, the book of Revelation. He's writing out of Revelation, and he calls it Revelation, and it's the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he describes the Lord Jesus in verse 16. Now look at what he says. Now stay with me on this. Is, this is good. This, this, is, this is really going to equip us, church, for the last days and the spiritual warfare that's unfolding all around us. He says, and, and last part of the verse, he said, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Do you see that? Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. If you'll study, there are some other places there in Revelation where Jesus is described as having a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Now, is, is it literal? I, I, I think it's more figurative than it is literal, but it's trying to show us, listen, 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 it's trying to show us something in the invisible realm. There are realities that are more real than you sitting in this room right now. Because why? Because in a few minutes, I'm going to dismiss and let us go home and get a little something to eat. All right? We pray. Uh, But that which is eternal goes up to God and says, and it will not return to me void. In other words, it unleashes something eternal into the atmosphere that will never stop. So you got to be careful what you say. Because your words have power. And with this sword that's in his mouth, apparently it is a weapon for warfare. There's a purpose to the sword coming out of his mouth. Now, uh, this, this came to me as revelation this week. This word um, out of his mouth when a sharp two-edged sword is actually, the two-edged there is a compound word in the Greek. Now, watch this. It's distomos, distomos. It's two words, die, meaning two, and stomos, meaning mouth. It's a very odd verse in the whole Bible. In other words, it means he has two mouths in one. Hmm. Don't you think it's interesting? This is the revelation. That we are called to have two mouths in one, not a forked tongue. Because a forked tongue is someone who speaks and says something, one thing, but they mean something else. You know, there's a, there, there's a term in, in, in psychiatry they talk about if you continue to speak something that inside you know it's true, but you're saying the opposite thing, do you know that that could literally make you sick? Do you know that you can bring, that you can invite attack on you if you say one thing, but you mean another? To be two mouths mean to say what you mean and what you know. All right? But to be forked tongue, that's why, do you notice, a serpent has a forked tongue, not a saint. We're to have two mouths. And he says, and out of his mouth came two mouths. I know that's kind of crazy, but that's, that's really what that is translated. All right? So what does that mean? When the word of God came... It first came out of his mouth. Stay with me. This is so good. I I hope you receive this today. When God spoke, how about in creation? Light, let there be. Everything. He spoke, and it was. Oh, I love this. During Christmas time of year, think about this one. The angel says to Mary, that which the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you, and the, and, and the, the most high, El Elyon, is going to c- come over you and hover and incubate over you. 
And you're going to conceive. You're a virgin, but you're going to conceive inside of your womb. And you're going to bring forth a holy child and you're going to call his name Jesus, which is Yeshua, Joshua. God will save his people. Mary is standing there in front of, and the angel speaks a rhema to her. Okay, was, was there a literal seed? Was there something physical that took place? No. It was all invisible. It was all insane. The angel spoke and this word is hovering right there. And Mary looks at the angel and says, be it unto me according to your word. And the word that was invisible, you could not, went inside of her womb and immediately the son of God was conceived. Do you understand when God speaks to you that you have the capacity to say, Lord, if that's what you're saying, be it unto me according to your word. And that goes into you and it activates and all the life, all the promise, everything that's contained within that word is now inside of you. Whoo! And he... He says, I've spoken it, but how has it become two mouths? Watch now. One mouth has already spoken. It becomes a double mouth when you say it. God's word in your mouth is the same as God's word in his mouth when you echo what he said and you do it under the anointing by faith. When you say it, it's like Jehovah God stood up and said, that's what I just said. I spoke through him. I spoke through her. That's a double mouth. That's actually the word that's used (coughs) in Hebrews 4.12. It says, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Guess what that is? Two-edged sword is distomos. It's the word that comes to discern. It's the word that comes to locate. It separates. It shows. And when God's word comes, you can clear city. All confusion is gone. Order is set in place. Why? Because that's his word is truth. Can I get an amen? It is a two-edged Sword. Let me, let me read a couple of these verses to, to show you something because this is um, important to see. Flip over to chapter 19, Revelation 19, since you're there. We're talking about overcoming evil in the last days. We're talking about the sword of the Spirit. I want you to see this sword. I love this passage. I just want to read it because I love it. But look, look at what it says about Jesus it's in verse 11, Revelation 19, 11. And I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him is called faithful and true. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. It's undeniable wars out there. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven Followed, upon, uh, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Now look at this. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations and rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth upon the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his uh, thigh a name written, King of Kings. And Lord of Lords, oh, I'd just love to break down that whole passage. But can, we, can you go back and look at that? And out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword. That what? 
that he brings judgment on wickedness. All the evil that we think, God, they're getting away with. God says, no, the sharp sword in my mouth will bring the wrath of God. I will settle the accounts of evil and especially with that devil who's been keeping you awake and tormenting you and trying to rob your health and trying to rob your blessing and trying to steal, kill, and destroy. There's gonna come a day when I'm gonna equal everything out. Oh man, I'm gonna shout myself happy right there. That's what he said. So I'm gonna come with justice and judgment and out of my mouth will go a sharp two-edged sword. Now watch this. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. Do you know, oh, saint of God, hear, hear what the messenger's saying. Hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. You have been given the honor of God to execute vengeance and judgment on your enemy. According to the word of God, you are not under your enemy's feet. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You have been made more than a conqueror. You have been made an overcomer through the blood of the Lamb, through the word of your, come on somebody, through the word of your testimony and your living sacrifice. So what does that mean? That means that in warfare, you do not need to fight for the victory. You need to fight from the victory because your conqueror has gone before you and you have an honor. If it says that a sharp two-edged sword goes out of his mouth, turn over to Psalm 119, 6 through 9, Psalm, excuse me, Psalm uh, 149, Psalm 149. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, and here it is, and a two-edged sword in their hand. Who's it talking about? You and me, church. That's the army of God. He says, I need for the high praises of God to be in your mouth and I need a two-edged sword to be in your hand. Symbolically, again, knowing it's in your hand, but it's in your mouth. And look at what happens with this sword and the high praises. To execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. To bind their kings. These are demonic. These are principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Do you know that the Christ inside of you has the ability to bind kings in fetter. Come on, somebody. Says to execute vengeance upon the heathen, punishments upon the people, to bind their kings in chains and their nobles in fetters, to execute judgment upon them, uh, the, the judgment upon them written, this honor have all his saints praise the Lord. So there's something inside of you that God has invested and says, I have put my Holy Spirit in you and when you're in warfare, if you'll pay attention, I will give you a makara. I will give you a rhema. And when you speak it, you release out of heaven into earth and whatever I said that it would do, it would do. So if the enemy comes and tries to put sickness on you, then you look back at your sickness and say, okay, I'm not going to live in denial. I know what the doctor said, but sickness, I say to you, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. What are you doing? You're saying what God said. You're having two mouths that you're speaking. When the enemy comes to to tempt you, fear, depression, anxiety, you look at the, you look at that, that principality and says, there, uh, there is no fear. In the perfect love of God. You look back and say, the, the, the Lord my God, he's not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and a power and of a sound mind. You say back to these kings, to these nobles, and whatever they're trying to put on, you say, no, 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 no. You don't know who I am. The word of God says I'm a child of God. The word of God says I'm healed. The word of God says I'm filled. The word of God says I'm blessed. Glory to God. The sword of the Spirit, 
Here's what it is. It's taken. Take the sword of the Spirit. Therefore, it's quickened and it's supernatural. Now, let me just give you a little angle, different angle, then we'll bring it back to the close here. The sword of the Spirit says, you know, we just read it there. The word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even what? Somebody help me. To the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. You understand, according to that verse, it's not even talking about the devil. It's talking about you and it's talking about me. That's why even in preaching the word for years now, I've had people come up to me and say, wow, why are you were preaching? I felt like you were talking to me. I was the only person in the room. How could, how could that be? Because it's not me. Because the word of God has the ability to go through a place and locate a person where they are. Or I can be preaching and, and the word of the Lord, you know, unction come upon me and something the Lord showed a person that week in devotion. I mean, even like today, what happened during worship about the Christmas tree or like in word class. I mean, how many times does this happen that we'll be, you, you guys, God will do something in word class and I'll get up here and I'll say something, I'll see heads turn. It's like, did you hear that? Why? Because it was a rhema word, a word, and it comes into agreement. And what happens, something is released when you say it. But something happens, that word is a sharp, two-edged sword that pierces, that separates. What does that mean? It, there are two different ways that this works. Now, look at this. It's surgical. The Bible is like a, a, a what is that, a scalpel uh, that a surgeon will use to open up, to cut. Here, get this now. The word of God, when it's quickened and re- revealed to you, it's like the Lord gets his scalpel and he opens you up. It says even goes down to the joints and the marrow. That's the deepest, most in place of a human being. He says, I go down to your intents and even where your motives are birthed and I, I separate it out. And, so, and, and what does it mean, spirit and soul? It means I'm separating the way you think and what you think is right and I'm separating what my, the mind of my spirit is. My word comes to separate. So you can step back and say, that's Bill, not good. That's the Holy Spirit, good. That's what the word of God does. It is a... Uh, it is a scalpel. It is for surgical to per- prune, to purge, to extract, to separate spiritual versus natural carnal. The other thing is legal. It's to judge and sentence every thought and every imagination and to sever or to separate. So what does that mean? The word says casting down vain imaginations. So when, when the enemy comes toward us with fiery darts, we can take the shield of faith, but we can also take the word and say that is not of God, like somebody said, I'm a curse or I'm accusing. You go, that is not of God. I cast you down. You have authority to do that. You, you can stand there in face of that enemy and say, I do not receive devil what you're saying about me. And so you have the authority. The word of God means you punish it. You take that thought and you cast it down. And, and by the way, you can pronounce judgment on it. You can sentence and say, I'm punishing you, you wicked, evil thought. You will not come into my mind anymore. You have that authority. Do you speak to to yourself that way? Do you talk to your old self? Do you know your old self is your worst enemy? Because why? He's in allegiance with the father of lies. He's he's, he's in, 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 in cahoots, I guess I'd say out in the country. He's in cahoots with the old serpent, your old man. And if you come into agreement with that old flesh and all that uncrucified junk that's trying to come up, if you give into that, you give him access to you. 
And he'll defeat you as a believer. But you can say, if that thing comes again, I'm, I'm throwing it down, I'm casting it down. The sword and your adversary, now let's turn it back. That's you, I wish I could spend some time there, but I've got to move on. The sword and your adversary, because he said the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's two reasons, or twofold, because it's a two-edged sword, it works two different ways. One, it denies access of the enemy toward you, it is a counteroffensive to neutralize the enemy's accusations, temptations, deceptions, and vain imaginations. So what does that mean? Okay, you're minding your own business. Do you know that you can, out of your carnal being, you can have an evil thought? Mm. Uh, do you know that out of your evil, unfinished nature, that you can, or am I the only one in the room? Uh, that you can be sitting there and you know you can originate a thought and it not be a godly, holy, righteous thought. That's because our spirit man has been sealed with the day, sealed with hope. Your spirit man is the purest part of you because the Holy Spirit's in your spirit. We're supposed to get the mind of the spirit, but our mind is not renewed. That's why we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We've got to get our mind to thinking about the way God thinks, and that displaces the enemy. All right, So you can come up with a wicked thought, but what do you got to do? You place judgment. You say, no, I'm going to take the sword. I'm going to, I'm going to purge you. I don't want to get into it here today, but a lot of people get uncomfortable with this teaching. The Bible talks about circumcision of the heart. Oh, don't go there, Pastor. Oh, yes, I will, just for a moment. But the Bible talks about your heart needs to be circumcised because it can have a whole lot of flesh on it and the Lord's got to get his scalpel out and say, we're going to have a little circumcision service today. How'd you like that altar call? We'll all stand together. We're coming together for a circumcision service. What kind of church is that? That's what it says. That's what it says, that we got to cut that flesh out of our, our mind so that we can think with our spiritual mind. That's how we're changed. But watch this now. What if your mind and your own business, oh, you're just sitting there at the house drinking some sweet tea or watching television. I mean, there's just nothing going on. And all of a sudden, boop, you have this thought. Well, you know you didn't think that, did you? Driving down the road, you know. Somebody pulls out in front of you. Hmm. All of a sudden, there you were. Peace, peace, wonderful. Have you lost your mind? Come on, I'm, am I getting a little too close to home for some of us? You're just minding, and there it is. Now you got, you're being confronted. Now you got a fiery dart coming at you. How are you going to deal with that? You better wait and listen and say, Holy Spirit, what word have I got? What makara do I have to pierce? Because it's not to cut with this one. It's to penetrate. And it casts those things down. It cuts them off. The other thing is a preemptive weapon of choice. The ability to stand and fight and prevail and overcome and conquer and advance the kingdom. That's the power of the word that you've been given. So skip down to the next slide there, back there, Rach. The sword must be internalized. Somebody say that with me. The, the sword must be internalized. Come on. The sword must be internalized. One more time. The sword must be internalized. Why am I getting you to say that? One, I need you to wake up because we're almost done. Second thing is that the word of God 
will do you no good sitting on the coffee table. The word of God will do you no good sitting on your lampstand all week long and you don't grab it until it's time to come to church. You've got to get the word of God in you so the Holy Spirit can quicken the word inside of you in warfare. If it's not in you, he can't get it out of you. So at some point, the word's got to get into us. I mean, come on. How is the Holy Spirit going to hand us a sword unless the word is... Now, let me just quickly say this because that, somebody said, man, now I'm, now I'm discouraged because I just got saved or I, I don't really know all that much of the Bible. Let me comfort you here. Even if you don't know that much, what you do know the Holy Spirit can use if you'll listen. You remember telling the story about the, 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 the warlock down in New Orleans? Uh, my friend Pete was sitting there ministering on the street and this warlock turned to him while he, we were out there witnessing in, during Mardi Gras and the, the, it was a male witch. He turned, he turned, he said, what are you doing here to my friend Pete? And he said, well, we're down here telling people about Jesus. He said, do you know who I am? He said, no, sir, I sure don't. He said, I am over the head coven over this whole city. He said, I'm the male witch who's over this, all the witches in this city. And he goes, well, big fat hairy deal, you know. And, 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 and the guy said, it's interesting that you're standing here. He said, because my mother raised me as a Christian. He said, but I've gotten off into this witchcraft. And he said, last night something happened to me that I must tell you what happened. He said, I was laying in my bed. And he said, in a, in a funnel cloud of demons formed over my head and began to swirl over me. And he said, a voice spoke out of it and said, I'm going to come and possess you. And I'm going to ask you for the ultimate sacrifice to kill yourself and offer yourself to me as a living sacrifice or as a sacrifice. And, and he said, and, the, and he said, the fear came. He said, I knew that this was a suicidal spirit. It was trying to. And so he said, the, the swirls came. It was coming down toward him. And he grabbed the covers. And, he, and he, he, this thing was coming. And he remembered what his grandma said. Said, whenever you're in trouble, if you don't know what to say, just call on the name of Jesus, and He will hear you. And the funnel cloud was swirling and about to inhabit his soul. Here he is, a witch. Here he is, a warlock. And he grabs the sheets and he goes, Jesus. Jesus! And he said, immediately the, the funnel cloud dispersed. And he said, and the peace of God came into the room. And he said, now I'm standing here on Bourbon Street looking at you, Peter. <laughs> Wasn't it interesting he, he sent Peter? I mean, God's got some crazy stuff he does, huh? And just to finish the story, the man said, I need to receive Jesus and renounce all this. So Peter prayed for him and said, Lord, come into my heart, be my Lord and my Savior. And y'all remember the story of me telling you that he said, now can I just pray with you? Now there's a cop standing here with a cup of coffee watching all this. So on this, you know, if you've ever been down to Bourbon Street, I mean, people all around, there's this cop just standing here watching this interaction. Pete goes, can I, can I just pray for you now, man? He says, yeah. He reached up and, and he laid his hands on, and he said when he touched his shoulder, it was like volts of electricity. He began to convulse. And shake. This is out in the, right in front of God and everybody. He began to shake, and, and this 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 cop sitting there going. <sighs> and he fell face down in the gutter. And if you've been down there, that ain't good. And he's laid out. And the cops looking and said, "What'd you just do to him?" And said, "I'm. Did you just tase him?" It's like, no. What you just saw was the power of God come upon somebody. And now watch this. 
the warlock laid there for like a minute and everybody's going, oh, man, what, what happened to him? Said so He came to and he stood up and when he stood up, he was speaking in tongues. And nobody had ever told him about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But because he knew things in the realm of the Spirit, he knew that God had come to and he just released the Holy Spirit to flow through him. So he was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit almost simultaneously. You know all that's happening in third world countries all around the world? They're like Ron Hartmark, Ron Hartmark, they're calling people to come forward to get saved. And as soon as they ask Jesus, they start speaking in tongues. And they go, what is that? That you were just filled with the Holy Spirit. You got, you got a twofer? <laughs> Do you see how the power of this? Okay, I got to stop. All right, so here's how, here's how you got to internalize it. You got to read it. Amen. You got to memorize it, which is different than meditating on it. Because people say, well, if I memorize it, aren't I meditating it? You understand the devil can quote scripture now. You got to get it into you. That's the first phase. God so loved the world. That was my first one, I believe. All right? It's got to get into you. But see, now, memorization and meditation. Meditation is when you begin to take that word, and if you, get, if you look at it in the Hebrew, it's like a, a cow that chews its cud. Y'all, y'all, y'all heard that? You ever, some of y'all folks from the country, you ever seen a cow? Let me come over to Melissa. You know, she, she, I'd hand her the microphone. She'd tell you all about this. Or a horse too, but mainly cows. It's about, you'll see them, they'll graze, right? And they'll eat. And they'll sit there and chew and chew and chew. And they'll go back and you'll watch them. And they do not go back down to get more. But you notice about an hour later, they're chewing again. You know they have three stomachs? And one of them, they bring it back up. Sorry. Right here at lunchtime. Yeah, I don't want to go to lunch now. Just keep preaching. They will bring it back up and chew the cud and they'll chew it again and they'll do that and they will digest what it is that they were eating. God wants you to so meditate on the word that you take it in, you chew it and you chew it again until it assimilates you and you become the word made flesh again. The word finds its residence in you. You are the word incarnate. So you gotta read it, you gotta meditate it, you gotta study it on oh by the way, Study. Remember the two, two mouths? Study to show yourself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing. There it is again. The word will come to do its surgical work. It will come to do its work in you. And when the enemy comes after you, you're able to take that sword that the Holy Spirit gives you and you're able to win the victory in Jesus' name. Can we stand together?